Hi, everybody, and Merry Christmas. That's right, I said Merry Christmas. Deal with it. Keep Mass in Christmas, if you're Catholic. That one goes out to you. Well, welcome to the podcast. My name is Jonathan. Lindley will be joining here in a short minute. My wife is vacuuming in the floor above me, so if you hear that noise, that's my that's my little wife up in the kitchen. Just kidding. I actually I do most of the cleaning in this house. Don't tell my wife I said that, but I am a modern father, a modern husband, doing all the tasks, and also I just don't like clutter and filth, so maybe it's a compulsion, or maybe I'm a good husband. I don't know. Well, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but this will probably be the last episode of this year, 2022. What a ride. I had to actually check and make sure it was still 2022. That's what a ride it's been. And I was looking in my journal from like a year and a half ago last night, just kind of reading through some old stuff. Do you guys remember COVID? Oh my gosh. What a, what a ride that was. I was, I was going through it. I was super super depressed. Um, (laughs) But it's so cool to see where things are at now and doing much better there just in my own life. Hope you are too. But it got me thinking about this idea of redemption. And that just happens to be the subject of our episode today. The redeeming of this season, the redeeming of time. Christmas, obviously, we think a lot about redemption and new birth and a new chance and new hope. Uh, And so I feel personally, I've experienced a redemption of my life coming out of COVID and all how dark that was. Um, so that's what we're going to talk today. And ironically enough, I was reading Ephesians 1 yesterday, and Paul wrote specifically twice about redemption. I'm going to just open the episode up today with this chapter, and then we'll jump right into it. So this is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 here. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And then if we jump down here to verse 13, he says, And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And we're going to discuss actually both of those those themes, this idea that we were redeemed on the cross and then we will be redeemed uh, in eternity with Christ as well. Um, so we right now we have this seal, the promised Holy Spirit. He's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So pretty exciting, pretty wonderful way to wrap up the year. And I think especially in this Christmas season, there's no better topic than redemption. So hope you enjoy it. And thank you for listening. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast here. It's it's kind of funny how this started, and now we officially have our own podcast because uh, you used to come on my podcast, which spun off from another podcast, and people are like, how many podcasts you got, Jonathan? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. How many spinoffs did Happy Days have? It takes a while <laughs> to get from Happy Days to Joni Loves Chachi, and here we are on In Context Theology. Uh, Lindley, again, is in Jacksonville Beach, and I am in Leesburg, Virginia, and I think this episode is going to come out in the Christmas season. So, Merry Christmas, Lindley. Do you do you celebrate Christmas in <laughs> Canada? Is that a thing? Yeah, um, it's a it's a universal, um, at least global um, celebration. Yeah. So in Canada, we do celebrate Christmas. Yeah, on the same day, actually. Um, wow, the distant north. Now, do you celebrate Thanksgiving in Canada? 
we do actually celebrate Thanksgiving as well. And as you know, you know, while this is being recorded, we're coming up to Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Um, Thanksgiving is celebrated in Canada in the second Monday of the month of mm -hmm. October. Obviously, being for the north, we have a small, a shorter season, growing season. Yeah. So Thanksgiving is uh, a day off, just like it is here. Um, so you get a longer Christmas season then. We yes, we do actually. We do have a longer. I'm jealous of that. <laughs> See, we need to take from you the that idea from the Canadians. We need maybe the metric system. We'll just keep bringing these ideas down uh, across the border here. Well, today's episode is about redemption, and it's a term you hear commonly, you know, in sports stories. Maybe uh, somebody comes out of retirement and, and wins, and it's like this redemption story, or the football team that lost the year before comes back and defeats the team that beat them. It's like, you hear a lot about redemption. Sometimes we apply it to our own lives, and it's more so I've seen, you know, outside of the church and used in almost a vindictive say, con case, you know, like uh, the boss that fired me got fired. Uh, was such a redemption for me to see them, you know. But that's not really, one, probably accurate to the actual definition of it, and two, it's probably not, definitely not accurate to the gospel's uh, the way they would use the term redemption. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So Lonely, let me kick it to you. Let's start just a generic definition of what redemption is, uh, and especially in context of the theology we're discussing. Show, right. show title, shoved it in there. <laughs> well done, Jonathan. Uh, well, good, thanks. Uh, it's good to be back again, as usual. Um, always enjoy these conversations and uh, and the feedback that we get from the, from the listeners. Um, so what is redemption? Um, many years ago, I was in a class and, um, one of my classes and the professor said something about redemption and he was using it in the context of Islam. And I said, oh no, 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 that's, that's all wrong. There's no concept of redemption in Islam. And he says, really, you don't think so? I said, no, absolutely not. Um, he said, well, why don't you look up what the word redemption means and get and write a 500 word paper on that for me? So that basically two pages. Um, so I did. And in so doing, I started with the Oxford English Dictionary, uh, the definitions for redemption. And uh, actually, it has a multiplicity of meanings, um, all similar, but each one with a nuance. So let me quickly ramble off what some of those are. <clears throat> so redemption. First one is to buy or pay off as in to clear a payment, to redeem a mortgage. The second one is to buy back, that is after a tax sale for mortgage foreclosure. Another definition would be to recover, something that is pledged or mortgaged uh, by form of a payment or other sort of satisfaction. Uh, example here is to redeem a pawned watch. Uh, there's redeem can also mean to exchange, as in to exchange something for money or for goods. Um, it can also mean to convert paper money into something very specific. Um, it can mean to discharge or to fulfill, as in to fulfill, as in a promise or a pledge. Redeem the pledge. Uh, it means also can mean to make up for or to make amends for uh, someone's faults or shortcomings. Um, it can also mean to obtain the release or restoration of, as from captivity by paying a ransom. And this is an important one. And then finally, it can mean to deliver from sin and its consequences by means of a sacrifice offered for the sinner. So in the Christian context, redemption is very much used in the last two cases, I would say. Mm -hmm. So what is redemption? I guess it can mean a multiplicity of things, but there's the general sense that redemption means to something that is owed, something that is 
owned by someone else and it's paid for and recovered from its particular state to a new state. And I think that's the key idea to me. Okay. So we often sing about redemption and, you know, Lindley and I actually, I was in Jacksonville, we had lunch the other day and he asked me, what are we redeemed from? And I started, you know, kind of spitting off a, a Christian answer of like, well, Christ died to set us free. And then I ended up, I felt like I got into a dead end of a wall. I'm like, huh? You said, what are we redeemed for? So uh, I'm not going to try to answer this one. So let me ask you, what are we redeemed from? Um, because I think I represent the common Christian in a lot of ways of like, yeah, I know, I know we're redeemed and Christ died on the cross and, and now we get to go to heaven and we have a new life and you know, all that kind of stuff. But really, what are we redeemed from? I know we're redeemed from our sin uh, and, uh, you know, the continual sins, the way we fall from from our nature, uh, from how we're designed. But I think there's a lot more going on than just a simplistic answer like that. Well, some of those things you stated, Jonathan, are part and parcel of the overall picture. What I would say is, is that we tend to lose sight of the fact that there is a subject some, or something known as original sin, of which we are all ultimately responsible for and are, are, are penalized for. Now, that in itself is a whole separate discussion, the concept of original sin. Um, if you're interested in reading that, it's probably best articulated by Augustine, and we've talked about Augustine in the past here. But it's something worth looking up. But I do think that there is, before God positionally, everyone who enters into this world is in a state of sin. And that state of sin is what separates us from God himself. So to begin with, redemption starts with us, in a position separate and away from God. Um, some have used the term alienated or estranged from God. So when we're born, what does that look like? Because obviously a baby, you know, it's there are these innocent little things. Then they <laughs> they pass a certain age, you're like, you're not innocent anymore. Side note, my kid had a meltdown the other day so bad I had to get out of the car and walk. My wife, had to, we did like a little fire drill and she had to drive home and I had to walk out. She's no longer innocent. She's three. But, you know, I, I think that's a hard concept for a lot of people to accept is like, how can something that didn't choose to be created and born be born into sin and be a sinful being right from the gate? Right. So, so that goes back to the question that Augustine tried to answer, which is the state of all humanity. So... If we start with a scriptural answer, it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? And this means, basically, Augustine was to take that and extend it to say, by simply being born, by coming into this world, we are alienated from God automatically. Why? Because of the sin nature. Now, the constitutive part of that, what that nature means, though, in the Protestant world is slightly different than it is in the Catholic world. But nonetheless, the response is the same. Man is estranged from God. He is separated from God because of this original sin. Now, we the, the biblical story is that Adam is the one who committed the first sin and therefore propagated that to all his progeny. So that mm. is all of us down the road. So it, 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 it technically starts off in a bad way, but the good news is that we're all in the same boat, so to speak. And because we're all in the same boat, redemption is accomplished for all of us in the same manner, right? Gotcha. So that's so, the good news. So it seems like it's less about you do a bad thing, you're a sinner, versus this, just the state of being we're born into. You said alienated from God because of the fall of Adam. When we're born, it's not like you're born this horrible, terrible, how could you do all these awful things? But it's a, a state of 
our spiritual being is is we're born spiritually dead. Is that right? Accurate that, to say? Yes, that would be hundred percent accurate. We are strange, alienated. Uh, we're dead in our sins, but they're not the only the activities that we've accomplished. It is positionally before God. We are marred into a certain degree, and 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 mm. that unfortunately bears itself out as we grow up. What we what we start to see soon is we start to see that there are actions are have a tendency to lean towards doing wrong more than they do to doing right. Hmm. So it's it's almost a deformity uh, idea versus, you know, I think like, I'm, what I'm trying to get to is is our concept of sin, and this is something I wrestle with too, trying to understand. It's like bad people do bad things. A sin is a bad thing you did, but the way it sounds like you're explaining it now, it's sin is almost a deformity that bends us toward doing bad things and, and versus just automatically a matter of good or bad what what option are you going to choose it's a it's a bent in our in our souls is that right yes yes a hundred percent um i would agree with what you're saying and how you're trying to articulate it sin is a condition that we all have regardless of who we are regardless of where we are regardless of what our parents have done regardless of what we uh, of of you know anything special about ourselves our physiological state the color of our skin or whatever the case may be that is independent of our state our state before god is in a state of separation now what does that mean though it does mean though that sin is is something much more comprehensive and effect affects all of us it is universal in its in its its impact hence we need universal redemption right we need mm -hmm. one person for all times to redeem us but the but back on the sin side now we come into the world sinners and what we find is as to quote you know someone probably a lot of people will won't be happy that i quote is you know is this notion that we are sinners by definition and we have the habit to sin, right? Mm -hmm. and, and Pelagius is the one who talked about the habit of sin. The more you sin, the more you sin, so to speak, right? Now, we want to distinguish sin from just purely evil. Now, many times we want to associate that any that, that sin is only evil acts, Sin is something broader than that. Sin is, is contra right. contravening God's law, right? Now, we want to be careful now that we don't get into the trap of determining everything by laws, rights and wrongs, do's and don'ts. That right. in itself, as we have seen in some of our conversations in the past you know, couple of years together, is not the way back to God, right? But a law-abiding People is one thing from a society's perspective, abiding by the law in totality in order to return to God is impossible. Mm -hmm. So that's a distinction I think we need to make. And I think this is important um, because it, it kind of chips away to me at the, the image of God as this cruel thing that created all these cruel people like why would you do you know that's like the argument is like why would you go ahead and make all these people if it's just going to be so evil and you gotta it's it's not necessarily like you said the good and bad um decisions we make it's just this bent and i don't think it's i don't think you could say well it's really evil of you parents to have kids knowing that one day they're gonna die we're all going to die you know it's at some point it's so evil uh so for god to make people even though we're born with this sinful nature i don't think that makes him 
in evil, and that's if that's the argument. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say. It does. I get what you're saying, right? We don't want to place the blame or responsibility for creation and the creation story and the negative aspects of it on God and God alone, right? So we don't mm-hmm. want to do that. What we want to say is, though, that God in his love and mercy towards humanity, whom he loves, has made immediately made, at least according to the biblical story, the biblical witness tells us that he set about to change that. Now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. he had to deal with man, and man has his own way of wanting to do things, and so the story unfolds over a period of time until Christ, fi- the Christ finally shows up on the scene, which is Jesus himself, which is really, in reality, God himself showing up. Right. But we had to work through a lot of details before we could get to that point in time. And, and some of that is our own shortcomings that got in the way of limiting God and, you know, and we had to watch society and and the world and uh, sort of unfold in a particular manner before that time was come. Yeah. And I don't think we're going to, this is the point of this podcast episode isn't talking really much about, but that concept and origins. But what I was, I guess what I was trying to get at is why redemption is, is needed Uh, in the sense that, you know, it's not just like, Everyone's awful. You're horrible people, and God is coming to discipline you and and collect you and and separate the wheat from the chaff. I mean, there's maybe an element of that, like righteous judgment. Um, but it's a really redemption is a love story. It's it's God coming down to rescue us uh, who have gone astray. We all like sheep have gone astray, um, and it's so it's so much more than just like you're so lucky that God died on the cross for you. Oh, you were gonna get it. You know, it's. While there's maybe an element of, yes, we are in awe of like the sacrifice, there's so much more love. And I think that's what I'm trying to land on here is like this love element that that should be flooding and it'll flood the rest of this conversation as well. But this idea of like God made us, God loves us, God is redeeming us because he loves us, not because he built this entire heaven and now he's got to populate it. It's (laughs) like, no, this is our story. God, we are saved from the wrath of God by the love of God. Uh, who you know he as we celebrate Christmas this is the entire story he came to earth to save us um and so I think does that make sense with like this what I've been saying no (laughs) yes no 100% you've said it you've really hit the nail on the head it is about the fact that God loved us from the beginning in the creating of us that's right and when we stumbled and fell he set about with a particular plan in order to rescue us to actually redeem us, to bring That's us right. back from that point where we were no, we, we had invalidated our lives before God, and now mm-hmm. He redeemed us back into the position where we're no longer estranged from God, but that we could be partners with Him. And that's because He loved us, right? And so, so you're right, it's rooted in love. And so redemption is needed because we were born alienated from God. And, that, and that's the concept, maybe it's not so much. Well, let me let me let you explain this. But, um, it's not just Jesus died on the cross, and now you would normally get stoned for these sins, and now you never get stoned. It's like we are—he's resetting us back to what we were originally designed to do, and that's redemption: is taking the original idea and and completing the story, bringing us back to who we were meant to be in the beginning. Is that right? A hundred percent. I couldn't have said it any better than that. Well, that wraps this episode. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> now, so how are we redeemed today? Is it an ongoing process? I know we talk about sometimes sanctification. It's this ongoing, you know, learning. Uh, obviously, we are sinners saved who still sin. So it's this, this ongoing thing. Is Does redemption work the same way? Or how will we experience that today? So, uh, you know, 
what does it mean to be redeemed? Is it a one-time act? Is it, you know, is it an ongoing process? So I think it's a bit of both. I think there's a, a moment in time that crystallizes and we become redeemed. You know, if we're, if we're marred and we're unable to save ourselves and need God, then I think there begins a moment in time when that transition happens. It happens right at that point. It's like in the twinkling of an eye, so to speak. And boom, I go from a place of estrangement to back into his, in, into the realm where God can, I can commune with him once again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. So I think that happens. It's, it's a moment in time. But then we begin, as I think you used the right word, sanctification process, whereby we continue to be, right? If you think about it, Christianity is not a point-in-time activity. It is a life. It is a way of living. Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher, talked about it as becoming a Christian. And he didn't mean that you, you know, there's some terminus to it. It is that you are always in the process. You are always improving. You are always getting better as a Christian. You are always putting off the old man and putting on the new man, so to speak. And mm -hmm. I think that's what I think redemption is there for an ongoing process, being redeemed continuously. Right. So I like the way Kierkegaard talked about a becoming a Christian. I think it's a powerful, mm -hmm. powerful uh, way of of stating it. So what are some examples? You know, sometimes when we talk about theological ideas or spiritual ideas, it's hard to process them. So, you know, what's an example of we can experience redemption in, in our modern day life with in with the. Let's call it the sort of the downward trend to accept Christian concepts to describe life in the West in probably the last, you know, since the Renaissance Enlightenment period, we've got some different ways of, of, of feeling the need for redemption. Remember, redemption is a broad term. We've talked about various ways of talking right. about it, right? So not everyone sees themselves as being a Christian in today's society, but they feel the need for something, that sense of redemption, that sense of, of taking them from a place where they feel uh, for lack of a more better term, icky, and moving them to a place of some sort of higher moral ground, so to speak, right? Going mm, from a place yeah. where I used to do wrong, but now I do less wrong kind of thing. And I feel better about myself. So we have many ways of doing that in modern society. We've sort of swapped out the notion of Christ and God for something else. And let's take a good example would be psychotherapy, right? The, in this case, people are, are, are technically redeeming themselves. They they want to free themselves from their personal, psychological, and mental bondage, um, which came about due to a variety of factors, and kind of get beyond that. So what do they do? They go see a psychotherapist. They think that's the right approach. I think it's the only approach for them to, to be redeemed, to come from the state of being a bad person to being a good person, right? Uh, of course, which that begs the important question, what does it mean to be a good person, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, but, um, but that's, a, that's another podcast. Um, so I think that's one of them. And psychotherapy is quite popular now. And oddly enough, psychotherapy, very popular in society that has probably has too much money um, on which to spend <laughs> on on these psycho th psychotherapists. Um, again, I'm not belittling the, pro the, 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 the industry uh, writ large. What I'm saying, though, is that we tend to use it as an excuse for not having to attend to what I believe to be the root cause of the problem, which is our alienation and estrangement from God. Gotcha.
Yeah. We've got a second one, I think, which is quite popular too, is the, the notion of fitness, right? Um, yeah, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work out really hard. I'm going to redeem myself from my physical ailments. You know, I did have this condition. I worked out really hard. I went to the gym. I did this yoga set of exercises and I've, I, I've redeemed myself. I feel redeemed. I've gone from being a, a, a bad unphysically fit person to now being a physically fit person. So I think if I work out hard and I stay fit, I will be protecting myself from the vagaries of life. You know, all these difficulties that come upon us, I'll be able to overcome them and look how good I am. And and it's it's really a sort of a an inward turn to ourselves to continue to look ourselves as the we're the ones who can mm-hmm. save us, if I can use that term, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I'm picking up is a, a lot of these attempts we we have at redemption are our, our own volition, our own power, and you know, in fitness, you can redeem yourself for a period of time. But as we head into Thanksgiving this week, you're gonna find out <laughs> the pounds come right on back, and it's a continual thing. Right, and it it is something about that. You've hit something really particular, which is really special, actually, which I think is the notion that I can save myself. I can do this, right? Yeah. I am able to do these activities will make will move me from this lower position to this higher position. Um, so it's a little bit of a you know um, a selfish approach, I would I would say. Um, we've got other approaches. We have we have consumerism. I think is a popular one in today's society, right? So continue, you know, redeeming ourselves from having nothing right to having everything right how many mm. things can i acquire you know before the end so to speak right um and i think this is quite popular in western society this consumerism idea now it's obviously tied into our our economic theory it's tied into our political theory it's tied into you know the success that we've had and our you know a bunch of other things that go along with that but i do think that consumerism is one whereby we say I'm redeemed from the place where I had nothing to the place where I have everything. And somehow that makes me a more important person. It validates me, right? If only I could be like, you know, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or whatever, I could be the richest person in the world. I could be a billionaire. Um, I'm not sure what these people would do with those billions, but um, nonetheless, though, that is, that does carry for some a sense of redemption, Right, right. You just summed up basically every episode of Behind the Music. <laughs> it's the same story. There you go, folks. Saved you some for you younger kids. Behind the Music was a biographical thing on this channel called VH1. Uh, <laughs> basically, it's the same story. Thought if I get more stuff, I got more status, it would heal these wounds I've had from however many years. And they all ended the exact same way. It didn't work. Right. So <laughs> they all ended. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's true. And then I think we have the politics one, and I think in our current state, um, politics is a is a is an important one. So we have yeah. the idea of I'm going to be redeemed from some state of enslavement to some ideology, to being freed from that with the a net new political ideology, um, and that can aim in my aid in my redemption. Right, I'm redeeming myself from that place where I was a nothing and nobody, nobody was interested in me. Um, I'm going to use this political agenda and 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 ideas to move me from a place of nothing to something. I'm going to be somebody important. I'm going to be something mm-hmm. powerful. Um, and th- there is an attempt really to free ourselves uh, from the bondage or the enslavement to, to a particular sort of uh, uh, an idea, the tyranny of, you know, like in Marxism, it's the tyranny of capital, so to speak, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That we want to be uh, freed from. So politics is another, I think, powerful idea that has attached to it the, the notion of redemption. 
And I think ultimately there's the final one, which I think, you know, we sometimes swap out again Christianity for generic religion, right? And I'm going to be moving from this spiritual emptiness to a place of spiritual fulfillment, right? So I'm going to, you know, um, I'm going to go to yoga. Um, I'm going to go on a journey um, to the to the east and I'm going to go into the Himalaya and the mountains or something like that. I'm going to go on this sort of journey or trek to kind of, you know, get spiritual or enlightenment, so to speak. And again, that's a non-Christian sort of generic religion sort of approach. Um, and yeah. that in a sense has a sense of redemption as well, right? I'm going to redeem, I'm going to bring value back to my life. And you know, what's interesting about all five of these is that they aren't inherently horrible things. It's not like these are such a stupid thing to do. Obviously it's good to go work out and it's good. It's okay to buy things for yourself and provide, but they're empty. And, it, and I think, you know, especially like religion, it's a, surprising me how many people call themselves religious yet not adhere to any of the other laws or aspects that would keep them in check from doing whatever they want to do. And so this kind of just becomes a, a way to utilize these to help me feel better about the things I already think about myself without having to take accountability for any of the negative things. No, and I think you're right. Th- these things in and of themselves are can be used meaningfully. But I don't mm. think they accomplish redemption, and that's the problem. Right. The problem is that people think that this is redemption. I've I've improved myself. I've gotten better. I've imp- I don't do that anymore. I'm a better right. person, etc. I've done something, and and this in and of itself is, is these are good things to do. There's nothing wrong with many of these things. Um, I would say, as you said, but um, it, it it does not have comprehensive eternal value and i think mm-hmm. that's the distinction i think we want to make between christianity and what it offers versus these sort of sort of generic sort of approaches to redemption and i think you know landing on the religion one is is a good one because uh you know even you look at like the aa 12 step program they they have to admit there's a higher power and i think that's a cool step i'm like as a somebody that's a religious person i'm like yeah it's great to be, but what kind of higher power what you know, is it like just admitting that I'm not in control? That's that's part of it. But as you were saying, I think there's only so far that these things can individually bring us to. And, and at the end, they're going to be futile um, to where we come back to the Christian redemption story. It's so much different because it's nothing we did. We didn't work for any of this stuff. We didn't choose to have Christ do what he did, you know, and he took the, all that on. So how is the Christian redemption story so much different than these other um, forms of trying to achieve redemption on our own? I think most importantly, it's its completeness, right? Its story is much bigger than simply something in this life that I want to accomplish, right? Yeah. It isn't something that is temporal. It is something that, A, starts in the eternal context. And the eternal context means is that it goes all the way back to Adam, you know, the original sort of, you know, creation story where man fell and has to be redeemed. And that redemption story is complete from beginning to end with eternal consequences. Each and every one of the other things that we talked about is sort of temporal, right? It's mm-hmm. it, it lasts for some period of time. I, as you said, I may go to the gym for three years, but I may stop after that, right? I may agree to a political ideology. I may hold on to that for 25 years, but I may change that towards the end of my life, right? Right. Um, I can change the religious way in which I'm being spiritually fulfilling myself, right? Or redeeming myself. So all these things are temporal 
they have short lives sometimes. They may have some extended life. But there's Christianity offers an eternal solution, which is totally transformative. And I think that's where Paul's claim of we are new creatures in Christ, I think, is fundamentally different. So it's one of the things you often hear in churches, and I've said this myself. I think I actually, I'm a songwriter. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, songs I have on my hard drive that I hope nobody ever sees but from college. Uh, and one song I wrote was called Broken People. It was going to be a hit, but, you know, never got picked up. But uh, you hear this a lot of times <laughs> in church. You're like, we're just broken people. We're broken people. We're trying. And I get the, the sentiment, and again, as someone who said it, I, I can fully articulate the sentiment. It's that, we're no better than anybody else. Like we're just people who have been redeemed and saved by God. And and it's true. We're not better than anybody else, but you've told me before, and I think we've talked about this on this podcast. We should no longer say we are broken people. Um, in this, in, in light of redemption, as you use the term, it's a Christian redemption is there's a completeness to it. Why should we no longer say we are broken people? And why, when, uh, why should we say we are saints as well? I think that's a hard thing for people to say. It's like, I'm a saint because, again, mis, mis um, interpreted or misdefined is like, a saint is like, that's Mother Teresa, not us. But in fact, we are saints and we are no longer broken people. How is that possible? And, and how does that happen through the redemption Christ brought us? So, so that's a really good question. When we go back to the notion of what happened to us about this concept of, we you know, we tied in the concept of original sin, and we've talked about the fact of Christ's sacrifice is a one-time for all. It's good for everybody. It's capable of, of solving everyone's problem before God. He doesn't need to do it, you know, multiple times. He's done it once and for all um, mm-hmm. on the cross of Calvary. Um the issue here is that, remember, positionally, we were all guilty before God and estranged by from God. Now, with his work, we are all back into the place where we can be to take advantage of, take the, receive this gift that God has given to us. Once we do, we are Christians. And as Christians, we are no longer broken. We are redeemed people. We have value now. We have been reconstituted, right? And that part of us that was marred is now fixed, right? We are children of God, so to speak. We are his children whom he loves and has continued to love from the beginning. But now it works itself out very differently. So as children of God, I'd rather say we're children of God, we're sons of God, you know, these are biblical terms, than actually say we're broken people. Because I was broken, but Christ has fixed me. He has healed me. He has made me whole and complete now. And therefore, I have the privilege and the honor to worship him and to enter back into the right relationship with him. So to me, to claim that you're broken tends to, is like kind of rehashing what I was, not what I am. And I Mm -hmm. think that's Mm -hmm. the distinction. Now, Again, not something I did, not something I accomplished in my own strength, but something that God has done on my behalf. It is up to me to receive that beautiful gift. And at Christmas time, that is Christ Jesus himself. Right. And, it, and it's something I think as Christians, not only should we be like, well, if we can figure that out and accept it one day, we have to accept it because it completely changes the starting line of where we do good works. You know, it's like, I'm going to go on a mission trip and dig a well, whatever, and that's great. But if you're doing that to earn the love of Christ or to earn your redemption, it's I, it might be meaningless. But if you say, I am no longer a broken person, Christ has redeemed me, Christ has saved me, uh, I'm accepted because of nothing I did on my own, I'm loved because I'm just God's child, therefore I'm going to go out 
with the honor of bearing his light and bearing uh, his spirit and doing good works, it, it changes that starting point. And, and it almost seems insignificant, but it's to me it's something I've come to understand way later in life, way too late, um, that that changes everything I do now. If I serve a church or whatever, it's not because I'm trying to earn God's love and God's favor. I'm doing it because it's a joy. And so I think it brings a joy. It brings um, an honor and it relieves us of this insane guilt we could never (laughs) pay for, you know? Absolutely. I think it's beautiful to hear the biblical verse that says, while we were yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the expression, the greatest expression of His love towards us. He was not against us; He is for us, and we've used that That's term. Right. I've used that term quite often. Um, so let's, you know, let's revel in it. Let's let's you know live in it. The fact that He has what He has done for us, and and tr- to me, that then leads to ultimately what worship is all about, because it's really just being simply being in His presence, understanding that, and understanding right. who we are and how He's loved us. So to kind of land this, have we experienced the fullness of redemption or is there more to come, you know, as we spend eternity with Christ? So to speculate on that, I would start with simply this. We are already can in this world get the fullness of his redemption, and that is a life with Christ, right? And whether it begins now and carries on into eternity that's great. We may see some different activities into the future, but the moment that the moment that I met Christ, like Paul did on the road to Damascus, so to speak, the moment I met him, my life was changed. I am a different person. There's nothing better than that. Nothing is more meaningful. Nothing is much more substantive. To know that I am in a right relationship with the God of eternity um, is a profound, deep, and rich personal experience that I think... I like everyone to participate in. In fact, God wants everyone to participate in. That's right. Amen. Well, that I think wraps up this episode. And um, we we have talked about doing some uh, future episodes. Again, we're going to keep doing the Great Christian Thinkers ones. Uh, have a few more there. And then I think we're going to do one about worship. Uh, Lindley mentioned a, a line or two about it here, about what worship is. Um, you know, we often just explain it with modern day songs and singing and that's worship but it's it's much much deeper than that so i think we'll probably cover that in the next one the next few episodes but uh, does that sound right to you it sounds great it's a great topic cool all right thanks everybody for joining and we will see you next time great thank you